All right. What's up, everybody? It's Will with Schedulefly, and I am in Raleigh, North Carolina today. Uh, extremely excited to be sitting across the table from Chidi Kumar, who is the co-owner of Garland, uh, as well as Kings and Neptunes. Uh, I don't even know where to start with introductions for you. You were recently featured in the New York Times. You were listed as a... Uh, uh, Southern Living Southerner of the Year recently. Uh, one of you, many. <laughs> one of many. One, one of 25, I think it was. Uh, and you're in a group of five that uh, was collectively um, honored for that, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. Uh, you are a 2017 uh, semifinalist for Best Chef in the Southeast. Um, and 2018. And 2018. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, right. So two, two years in a row. Um, what? The list goes on. Okay, so you've had a tremendous amount of success, Chidi, and you've come. You are you are a hardworking. I've spoken to you before. You've been on the podcast before. It was three years ago this March, actually. Oh. Lots happened since then. Um, uh, very humble, very hardworking, very inspiring uh, lady in the community and, and across the country with what you've done. So You're very kind. Thank you. Uh, you are. Um, so I feel very honored to to have this time with you today. Pleasure's all mine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So. So a lot has happened in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, when we spoke last time, I was kind of I was re- listening to the podcast again, actually, and uh, I want to touch on a couple of things that you said at the time. I'm curious uh, what may have changed. Um, one me thing too. That, that really, uh, <laughs> one thing that really struck me is you talked about having, um, and you had had a lot of success then, but you talked about self doubt mm-hmm. and self doubt driving you. And I'm curious. Um, with uh, with all the accolades and success and and what's happened in the last three years, do you still is that still something you wrestle with? Um, absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm not original in saying that there's a uh, what do they call it? imposter uh, syndrome uh, that goes along with you know uh, when you're seemingly succeeding at doing something and you're still riddled with self doubt. Um, it makes you wonder if you, you know, if it was an accident, if you belong in that community, um, if you deserve all those accolades. But then I really started thinking about, you know, uh, self-doubt as as if it was linked to anything or not. If it, it just kind of lives on its own and it's its own little demon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, just really uh, trying to place it in a in a way that's not so <laughs> neurotic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, I, I think uh, I've always viewed it as something that can be a, a powerful uh, force for motivator, motivating and, um, you know, keeping yourself in check and um, pushing yourself all the time. But then um, the negative uh, aspects of self-doubt can be so paralyzing and really harmful to somebody's like uh, natural progression and their growth and, and their confidence. Yeah. So, um the last couple of years, especially, I've been really kind of trying to be very mindful of where where it's coming from, whether it's connected to something um, real or if it's just a phantom fear. Um, oftentimes it is fear based. And, you know, then just really trying to, um, you know, be mindful of what role it's playing in my life and in my psyche and in my actions and my mood and my approach to everything that I do. So it's, um, it's definitely still <laughs> very much a, a big part of, 
uh, you know, my day to day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you have a background in psychology, right? I do. I do. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, this is probably something you explore pretty deeply, I would imagine. Um, yeah, but you know, I think anybody with a psych degree will tell you that it's really hard to apply those things to, to yourself. yourself. So yeah. I'm not, um, afraid to admit that I, I do seek professional help. And I think that's a really, uh, important and healthy part of my life. And it's a decision that, you know, everybody can make on their own. But, um, I, um, lost my mother in the last three years and, you know, a lot of big things happened and, um, uh, a part of me understanding how to be a better leader was to understand that I can't do everything by myself. And, um, I seek the help of people who are better at some things than I am. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Good deal. Um, uh, so what's well, actually talk about that, about becoming a better leader and, and having, you know, I mean, that's getting help outside of work and, um, and, and things like that. But what about within Garland? How have you, you know, you work really hard. I know you're here a lot. Uh, we talked about that before, but um, have you been able to delegate a lot of things? Have you learned to be better at delegating over the last few years to kind of free yourself up to be more creative and, and grow? Well, I think that delegation is a skill, yeah, and yeah. Um, that's something that I, I really had to learn, too. I mean, I think when when we first opened, I was so uh, sort of angry about, like, not having people to delegate to, and then when you actually get to a point where, you know, I've been asked to do a lot of traveling and cook out, out of town, which takes me away from being physically present in the building, and, you know, it's not like we can close when I'm gone, so... Um, the need and the necessity of, of relying on people that I can trust and um, do things when I'm not here and keep the keep the jo- the place running. Um, it made me understand what it really takes to be able to allow people to do that. And yeah. it's not just them coming in magically being good at all of the things because nobody can be <laughs> like psychic. They can't right. read your mind. And there's a there's a lot of ways to do all the things that we do. Um, so uh, just knowing how to lead a group of managers and not just be a one-on-one um, liaison to every single person in the, in, on your staff, which is sometimes just not possible. Um, knowing what it takes to really communicate the essence of what you really want out of people and, and being flexible enough to, to understand different points of view and um, realize that there might be another perspective that, you know, you haven't even considered because you're so, like, you're on this train and you're just, like, yeah. tr- keeping up, you know. Um, so that, that kind of flexibility gives you a broader perspective. And then also traveling um, to other kitchens and working with other chefs really opens your eyes to a whole lot of different ways and this d- different systems that are probably better than <laughs> what you just happen to invent on the fly. Well, I want to touch on that. I mean, yeah, talk about so you, uh, how much traveling are you doing and, and what, is, what is the focus of most of that travel? Um, mostly it's fundraisers. Um, okay. um, and... I mean, I think last year I probably ended up having at least one event a month out of town, out of state. Um, not not because I like went after it; it just kind of happened. My schedule filled up in a way that I <laughs> was like alarming. Um, and most of it is obviously, you know, it's all food driven. So, uh, you know, sometimes they're fundraisers or like something like Atlanta Food and Wine or a food festival. Um, it always involved cooking for the most part. Um, and depending on the circumstance, you know, if it's not a big organized food festival, which usually you have like a kitchen and a hotel, um, but you're still working alongside a, a bunch, dozens of other chefs in that situation, or you're guesting at um, 
you know, we did, uh, there was one event in upstate New York at this beautiful uh, restored compound. I don't even know how to call it. It's a mansion that has this giant like music room um, that this amazing couple from the 20s lived in. And uh, it was a group of four or five of us um, chefs. And the pre-prep was at uh, Chiquito in New York, which is owned by Alex Reich, a very good friend. And, you know, just seeing how a restaurant in Chelsea that's got a tiny basement kitchen and no gas and like no hood, you know, how do they bring some of the best food in the country wow. um, night after night? You know, it's it's just like, oh, wow. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of depth and smarts that go into this thing, and she makes it look easy, um, just like all great people do. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean... So you're learning a lot. Yeah, I'm learning a lot. I'm really learning a lot. Um, I'm making up for all the years that I didn't have in training <laughs> I think yeah. just by like absorbing so much from people that are much smarter and better at what they do than I am okay gotcha gotcha um well let me let me ask you this I thought there's, there's something interesting you know, I was reading on your site um as you described Garland it's refined and thoughtful uh full of imagination and rebellion um I didn't write that but <laughs> I did let it go up there well I was going to ask you what is it what does rebellion mean um well I mean, there, there's a bunch of ways about that. Um, one is that it's not defined by a single culture. Uh, yeah. Me being an Indian person, an immigrant, uh, there's an expectation that my food will be very, quote, traditional. Um, but that word is loaded and authentic is loaded. And um, I don't really, you know, there were there were times when I struggled with like, can I put stuff that's not Indian on the menu? How am I going to define like what I do because I'm not only Indian, you know, that right. was like just the first year, eight years of my life. And, you know, I'm much older than 16. So it's much, you know, it's um, just a small percentage of my life um, and my food education. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, you know, to me, I think when we wrote that, it was a little bit of an act of rebellion to not be an Indian restaurant. It's Indian Indian-ish, it's Indian influence, but it's also influenced by a whole host of other things in my life. What what has influenced your um, the food that you that you serve here? Um, you know, mostly the seasons, mostly North yeah. Carolina, uh, mostly where I live, and and the things that we are able to bring through our kitchen door. Um, I really, you know, it's not much of a struggle for me to be seasonal and think about things that way, just because that's just when things are good. Yeah. So. Um, that, you know, um, that is sort of like the ingredients define what we do with them. Um, sometimes that can be a whole merry-go-round of, of, of thoughts, but um, really, I mean, we're not, um, we're not working outside of what's uh, readily available by our farmers. We have a lot available here. So much. Yeah, abundance. It would be ridiculous to even think about anything else. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of taking, you know, what uh, – you're taking from India and, and South Asia mm-hmm. uh, and then applying that to what's available here and, mm-hmm. the, and the food culture here. And how is it and how is Southern food culture changing? How has it changed? How is it? How is it changing? It's certainly evolving. I mean, it has well, a very distinct. I, yeah. I mean, I think. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, Southern food is kind of you. you if you're from the South, you think you know, you have, of certain things. Um, and it has a very, I think, a distinct um, uh, style and and you know you can sort of define southern food maybe more than most of the places of the country but that's that's changing a lot of that's through the work that you and a lot of your your fellow chefs are doing that 
Yes not and no. N- initially from the south. Um, yes and no. <laughs> I okay. think um, I think there's a, a tendency to a lump southern food into this one big category, yeah. and that's not exactly true. Yeah. Um, and B, it's it's uh, tempting to also say that southern southern food was sort of like. Uh, stagnant until this modern era and that's not true either Um, it's just easy to lose sight of some of the history that goes along with uh, the the food culture in the south because so much of it is like really embarrassing and painful and evil and um, and also like full of heart and movement and um, you know if you think about what people in the south were probably eating in the 1700s um, versus the 1800s and the beginning of that century and then the end of that century so many things happen that um that changed what was on the plate and depending on who you were and what your role was in in the society here what was on your plate um night after night uh i think the growth of the aristocracy um obviously we all know uh how that was uh fueled and propelled and what 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 it was um supported by um so the plate in virginia in the end of the 1800s was probably very different than the plate in Mississippi right. at the beginning of the 1700s. You know, yeah. the the economics of all of that um, just absolutely were an influence. So, you know, you can't really say that everybody in the South ate cornbread and greens and barbecue. Right, it just, right. uh, even today, I can go to a meat and three place in the uh, eastern part of North Carolina. It's going to be so different than what I would get in Alabama. Yep. It just, even if it's, you know, like on paper, if the menu was the same, it would taste differently. Sure. Um it would be prepared with a different perspective and there might be roots in one place and not in the other, you know, it's just, um, so I just want to, as an outsider, I guess, yeah. I guess somebody who chose to be in the South, like it was always pretty obvious to me when we were touring, how different food was in Tennessee than it was in Florida or North Carolina. Um, now I think it's just, um, maybe a, a part of social media and like the internet, things knowledge and um conversations becoming more ubiquitous um and more maybe informed um people regular people having a voice and being able to tell their stories uh, is becoming a little bit more common so we can talk about um immigration and the influence that people from latin america and india and you know there's still people from west africa and vietnam and you know all over the place coming to different parts of the south and really different parts of the country when we can have the same conversation about food in minnesota there's a huge vietnamese population there um or Texas, good God. There's like yeah. a whole continent's worth of uh, conversations there. So, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, all of us are just like one little story in in that very broad, uh, alive, uh, it's like an organism, you know, it's always evolving. And um, the more of us that are like actively engaging in the conversation and in and, and really using the ingredients and like really learning about the history and where they came from. And I really love history. Um, I'm so excited when I realize that people in Central America use cumin in much of the same way that we do. And where did it go? How did it get here? We, you know, peppers and tomatoes and potatoes, like just going back and forth and those things becoming such an important part of the cuisine in India, which we didn't even have before 1500, you know, it's just, um, it just excites me as an immigrant to know that this is like a long history of, um, 
diasporic evolution, I guess, you know. Um, and I think that that history being sort of alive and palpable right now is, is, is very, um, it's very inspiring. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Well, t- so tell me about um, the story you're telling here at Garland. And, and what is a story that, uh, you know, you want your guests to, to have when they come in here and visit? Well, I um, I want it to be about their experience more than mine, yeah. um, but I just want them to feel like, A, they're getting um, either, it just depends on their perspective, either this food is going to seem like an adventure to them, like, oh, I've never had that before, right? Um, but ultimately I want them to have a meal and feel somewhat connected to not only what's on their plate, but I want them to like feel like they got nourished. And um, I love when people say, like, I'd never had this b- before, but it made me feel like a kid again. <laughs> and I think that's like the ultimate, um, the ultimate achievement for me, um, uh, having a personal connection with whatever you're eating, uh, it reminding you of something that you don't know what, but it's a memory. Maybe it's a new memory, but it's, you know, maybe also kind of fun and adventurous and it's a little bit out of your normal range. I also really like it when people say, you know, I cook a lot, but I don't have time to cook like this. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that was my goal when we opened was to make food that you wish you had time to make every day. Make food that you wish you had time to make every day. And so many people today don't have time or don't make time. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's complicated and we're all really busy. Yeah. It's complicated and we're all really busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, tell me about, um, uh, you are part of a group, Brown in the South, yeah. with uh, Marijuana Rani, who mm-hmm. we've had on the podcast, and I know well and have a lot of respect for, too, and then three other chefs. Tell, tell me about that group. Um, so that uh, concept was the brainchild of Marijuana and Vishpat in um, Oxford, Mississippi. He's the chef at uh, Snack Bar, um, both just gems of humans. Um, and they apparently had a conversation at Southern Foodways Alliance uh, Symposium in 2017, um, and I, I, I missed that one. Um, and they were just talking about this conversation about uh, having an Indian perspective in the South, how many of us are from India India or Indian descent and cooking here and how naturally these ingredients and these food cultures like um, apply to the way we grew up eating and the recipes and the, and the way we shopped for food, uh, the way our mothers cooked. Um, so they just started this. They thought, like, let's do a dinner to celebrate this. And um, so it, we had our our first one. They asked me by text, and I probably responded within four seconds, <laughs> like, yes, I have <laughs> to be involved in this, um, along with Asha Gomez and Manit Chohan, um, Atlanta and Nashville, respectively. Um, so we did another one in Nashville in August, and uh, the third one is going to be announced today, but it's March 24th. Um, oh, and wow. that's going to be here at garland and kings and um this time we're gonna do something a little bit different the last two have been like sit down dinners um and our restaurant i think seats a little bit fewer people it's a fundraiser for the southern foodways alliance and this uh springtime that weekend is the weekend of holy uh, which is an indian holiday which celebrates the uh you know arrival of spring and it's a very boisterous uh out, outdoor driven um, holiday where people throw color at each other and there's like water pistols and water balloons it's just it's just a big Sounds old party yeah. yeah so uh, we wanted to do out, it outside but 
logistically it's like hard to have an outdoor festival in the city and, and still make it a fundraiser you know yeah. so we're just gonna do it at Kings and here and just have a like um, a bunch of food tables stations if you will and just make it a big food party <laughs> so you how do you who attends this you um well we're gonna um, you know the tickets will be just up for sale. To the public and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, okay. it is not, uh, and th- we can make the ticket price uh, lower for this one too because we can have more people, and it won't be again a sit-down meal. So yeah, it'll just be kind of like a fair. <laughs> so you're all you all five will, will be all here. five of us plus um, the last dinner we included uh, Sam Four, who is a Sri Lankan chef from Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, oh, wow. uh, Far- um, Farhan from well. He's going to dental school in Chicago, but he's from Atlanta, and he was on um, the Gordon Ramsay series Master Chef. Okay. Um, so he's joining us. But he's going to dental school in Chicago. He is. He's he's got a <laughs> have got a, 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 a plan yeah. to fall back on, I guess. Okay. Very good Indian son. <laughs> um, Vimala uh, from Curry Blossom in Chapel Hill will be joining us, and then we're uh, confirming a couple of other oh, local awesome. regional. Yeah, it's going to be about uh, nine, eight, or ten chefs. So. There'll be a lot of food, and we'll have some, you know, good music, and maybe some henna artists, and all kinds of stuff. Talk about the Southern Foodways Alliance. Um, Southern Foodways Alliance is just a dream. <laughs> um, so it is uh, based out of the University of Mississippi in Oxford, and is a, a very uh, smart multimedia kind of collective that really focuses on the past, the present, and the future of Southern food. Um, and that includes history and culture and actual, you know, cooking. It is not necessarily chef-driven. It is, um, it includes chefs, of course, but also filmmakers and writers and poets and photographers and all, all kinds mm. of um, very talented people that are also really welcoming and um very smart and well-spoken and so they have a podcast called gravy they also have a uh i think it's a four times a year um magazine called gravy and uh john t edge is a great um leader of that group but also there's so many other folks that are just doing really great work um i think he has a show on espn called true south i mean it's just really like um a very needed voice in our in our time to like be talking about all of these very important issues otherwise people will just grow up thinking all we eat is mac and cheese and cornbread you yeah, know right, right um so i, I yeah it's what a, a cool organization it, it's an it's amazing i cannot believe it exists and so you ra- you're raising money for that it's a yes. not-for-profit correct yeah okay gotcha gotcha that's really awesome yeah it's great i i, I will do any fundraiser for southern foodways alliance ever at like any time that's really cool how long have you been involved with it um, since 2016, um, my first, well, I might have done, yeah, I think the first event I did was in Kentucky with Ashley Christensen, um, and that was the first, I think that was the first real, I don't know, I think I might have done something with Neptunes way back before Garland even opened. Um, Ashley has been uh, supporting them and a very active member for a really long time. So she has that series, Stir the Pot, um, which she's been doing for years and years, where a chef will come in, usually from out of town, and do a dinner at pools, and then the next day they'll have a potluck either at her house or another location. And um, 
you know, all the proceeds go to benefit Southern Foodway. So um, when Neptune's first opened, we did the cocktail at the potluck um, back in like 2011 or 12 or something. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But I mean, I, I didn't really understand it until I went to the symposium in 2016. And even though I, I cooked there on the last event and so the whole time I was kind of like prepping and nervous about it like really nervous <laughs> um, I still realized like what a, a welcoming group of amazing and smart individuals very accomplished and um, just no snobbery at all and uh, just really understood what that word community meant when it applied to to that culture that's a uh yeah I mean you said you're nervous about it there's the self-doubt right but that's yeah a, I, I, I mean that's a that's a big group to cook for and that's uh, uh-huh. you know with, with yeah. folks that have a lot of experience in your space and and uh and so that's that's probably intimidating but it I'm was. sure you I'm sure you nailed it uh, uh, I learned a lot <laughs> <laughs> how many people are you cooking for in something like that 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 particular event was like 500 wow so it was a lot yeah I bet how long you I mean how long do you go like when you're going to do something like that, how long are you there? Um, I mean, it just really depends. For that, I wanted to attend the symposium. Yeah. And um, that, again, was like one of the first ones. Well, it was the first time I drove out of state with, you know, all of that food and a plan, which looking back was very flawed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I should have done something different. But um, I, you know, the symposium was from Thursday to Saturday, and my event was Saturday night. So um, and that was also a really long drive. So I was gone for a pretty that was the first time I was gone for like five or five days yeah. at an event. But normally, it's like a two to three day commitment. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about the New York Times article. Um, how did how did that come about? Um, well, it's actually a guest that comes here. Uh, Bridget Washington um, came here a couple of years ago with uh, Charmin from CAM, and she had just written a book. She's from Trinidad, and she had written a cookbook, and we met briefly, and and then she came in, and she pitched this idea, and I'm like, yeah, right, you're going to write for the New York Times, sure, and <laughs> they're going to write a story. <laughs> they're going to publish a story about me. Okay. Well, that's fine. We'll we'll do the interview. You know, I mean, right, I just right. didn't had a lot of disbelief on my part. But she, um, I mean, she just she worked really hard on it, and um, I found it interesting that they chose to publish two sweet recipes. And I'm not really at all like a, a pastry or dessert driven person. But yeah, um, I'd submitted others. But uh, I think you know they 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 think about their readership and what was gonna like really. Um, reach and grab people and especially for Diwali Diwali is a sweet holiday so yeah. um yeah it was just I mean it wasn't really till they the actual times people called and fact checked like two days before the story I was like okay so this is really gonna run they're like yeah you idiot <laughs> like we're not gonna be wasting our time with these proofs if we're not gonna run the story <laughs> so yeah it was it was really all Bridget well I mean you've gotten you know Got, you much deserved. You've gotten a lot of press and you've gotten a lot of accommodations. And I mean, does that is, is Garland busy all um, the time? I mean, we still have really bad Tuesdays. <laughs> you have really bad yeah. yeah, if you have a large party, come on a Tuesday. Come on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've we've you know we've steadily been growing since we opened. Yeah. So I'm just so grateful for that. I just cannot believe that you know people choose to come here and spend their time and money with us, and I'm so grateful for it. But um, it's it's hard to know what affects the sales and what affects our growth. I mean, 
there's so many factors and we're not about to ask people to take a survey. No, so. sure, sure. Yeah, you just, you want to provide them a great experience Absolutely. when they're here and, and they come back. Um, do you, I mean, talk about growing. Are you, will you just continue to grow within these walls or do you? Um, I mean, you know, who knows what the future brings. Um, there are opportunities all the time, um, but we are really focused on, again, the conversation I had earlier about like just getting our managers in a really good place and making making the place operate in a way that feels, uh, it's never finished, but it feels like, okay, this is where we want it to be. Um, but there's all kinds of ways to grow and we're very, um, we're busy people and we're yeah. also very, you know, uh, we have a lot of things that we'd like to do. Yeah. Um, a, another business project would be awesome if it's the right concept, the right location, the right time. The timing right. is the most important part. Sure. Um, and we've gotten pretty close to doing a couple of things, but you know, um, ultimately, uh, we don't want to like let the things that we've worked so hard to build fall apart until we're like ready to be able to like divide our attention a little bit. There's also music and travel. <laughs> so well. Those are, yeah, I want to ask you about that now. Tell me because you're you're a uh, what I didn't mention at the beginning uh, is that you are have been in a rock band. Uh, you are a professional musician, and now Birds of Avalon is your most recent band. Have you got, have you all performed um, recently? We performed back that? in July, but our uh, our bass player and keyboard player are married, and they just had their first kid okay, <laughs> in gotcha. October. So we won't be seeing that them for a little while. Down. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is fine. I mean, Paul and I opened this thing, so I think we're just used to us being the the, the cause of any slowdowns. Um, you know, our band is six grown people with a lot of uh, projects. So, yeah. I yeah, we'll definitely perform again. I think we have some shows lined up in the fall. But, um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know, a level of creativity that I really miss um, not having an active music project and it doesn't have to be something that takes us on tour forever or anything like that but um i don't know it's nice to have a focus and yeah. outlet yeah uh, on monday nights <laughs> on monday nights yeah <laughs> yeah what are um are there any what are some of the bigger challenges that, that, that you have right now um i mean it could be anything from labor shortage to food I'm, inflation or i don't know just are there things like that that are i mean labor shortage is just sort of like a part of this business now i mean that's mm -hmm. the hardest uh the hardest aspect of of this this type of self you know self uh like independent business yeah. um you know there's so many restaurants and there's just not enough people who really understand what it means to want to cook in yeah. professionally um but you know you you kind of figured out you take it day by day i wash more dishes than i care to <laughs> talk about yeah um you know and a lot i mean it's just it's just a part of it and i don't know um how really to like address or, or solve that problem i don't think it's a solvable issue i think that it would be nice if we had um the kind of influx that maybe the tech industry has um you know all those folks have great jobs they have expendable income. They want to go to more restaurants. Who's going to work? <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because more and more people are eating out now as we talk, and people are just cooking less and they want to eat out. And they, but then yeah, you know, there's I mean, not as many people working in the business. For sure. And, you know, and, and 
you know, then uh, we can just, the work culture is a really important thing. So like one of the biggest challenges for me personally and for Paul is like work-life balance and trying yeah. to be healthy, mental health, physical health, yeah. um, nutrition, um, and then taking those principles and applying them to your staff, um, recognizing when people are, um, you know, not taking care of themselves yeah. in whatever iteration that is. Uh, alcohol is a dangerous thing. We have three bars in this building. Uh, you know, balancing fun and party and camaraderie with an unhealthy habit is is a challenge. It's always something that I'm really aware of. Um, and then, you know, just then cultivating folks who've uh, who are here and like giving them opportunities and making them understand the the ways that their career could grow that this is a career that um, this isn't just necessarily a stepping stone job although it certainly can be if you're you know and and it was for me for a long time and I, yeah. you know when I was touring I was bartending and you know bartending was just a means to an end right. but um, lo and behold here I am here you, are, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> well you're an inspiration for folks like that self taught and uh, in the kitchen and well. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's a great story. You went from bartending and being in a rock band, and now you've got this amazing, successful, wonderful, beautiful place. Uh, Thank and you. And you inspire a lot of the people that work for you, that are in your community, that are part of uh, you know the greater independent restaurant community and the food community. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a phenomenal story. Um, and so... When you when you do have those moments, um, which I, you know, we all do, but you know what you've done, Chidi, is just—I uh, mean, I'm truly honored to be sitting oh, here God. speaking to Thank you. you. <laughs> I, I mean that uh, you are a very inspiring lady, oh. and um, you are uh, somebody that you know many many people look up to, many people admire. Uh, I'm sure that the people that work for you are thrilled to be a part of your team. Oh. I bet your turnover is pretty low. Um, it's not. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to have these conversations because I, I believe in the jinx. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay, okay. the gods well, can the hear us, right? right, right, right <laughs> Let's right, not get right, too right. comfortable. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, but, well, anything else on your mind? Um, um, no, we're about to have a big, deep, clean day today. We're going to put closed together. On, are you close on Mondays? We're closed yeah, on Mondays, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, I wish we were open Monday nights, but that's a different story. <laughs> we're about to put together some Metro shelves and reorganize our, our storage. So I'm oh, really yeah. excited about that. When's your next trip? Uh, actually, next week uh, I'm going to Charleston Food and Wine. Wine and food. Wine and food. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. Good deal. Good deal. You got a lot of uh, friends that are going to be there as well? Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing three big events, but... Um, three yeah. big events. Yeah. Are you cooking? or mm-hmm. yeah. are you Cooking at all three? Cooking at all three. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. Well, all right. It's going to be a lot. That's a lot of prep, I <laughs> yeah. bet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to be smart. <laughs> well, you've learned, as you've said. You've yes. learned. So you, you're, you're learning how to be more efficient and plan better each time. Right. You don't have to do everything every time. Just just do something small and delicious. <laughs> awesome. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, we are so thankful for this opportunity and Thank so honored you. to serve I, you. I really uh, appreciate it. You uh, just... Been Thanks so kind for, with your time and for building such a very useful and reliable platform for us oh, to make our jobs easier. <laughs> thank you. That's not yeah. necessary, but yes, thank you for no, thank you. it's I true. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Appreciate it very much. Thank uh, you. All right, good deal. Well, I think we'll call it a wrap. All right. Thanks, Thanks Judy. Okay.